السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والعدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another lesson of QP and uh, inshallah ta'ala just if someone can just send me a quick message saying that everything's okay the video and the audio uh, my laptop froze which is why I was late by a couple of minutes so I had to reboot everything so I just want to make sure that everything's okay uh, last week we began with the tafsir of Surah Al-Shiqaq and uh, we covered the first verse of Surah Al-Shiqaq in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by speaking about Yawm Al-Qiyamah uh, and some of the things that will take place on that day and from those things that will take place on that day is um, the way that the sky or the heavens will be changed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the beginning of this surah شقت, when the sky will be ripped apart and we said that the uh, scholars of tafsir they mentioned different reasons as to why that would happen and uh, some of them said for example it will be from the fear of Allah Azza wa Jalla or our reverence for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some of them said that it would be for the, because of the ghamam the clouds that will come on that day they will make the they will make the heavens run to sunder meaning that they will break them up and rip them apart others said that it will be due to the descent of the angels that the angels as Allah Azza wa says in the Quran that the angels will descend and because of that descending that is one of the reasons or that is the reason why the skies will be ripped apart and we mentioned uh, those positions that you find in the books of tafsir and some of them from amongst the earliest scholars of tafsir and we also spoke about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran speaks about the, 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 the tearing up of the sky or the ripping of the sky in different ways and uses different words to describe this. So he says in this surah, إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ But in surah Al-Infitar, he says إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ فَطَرَتْ And then in surah Al-Mursalat, he says وَإِذَا السَّمَاءُ فُرِجَتْ And so these are all similar or different words with similar meanings. All of them refer to something being ripped apart or opened up but there are differences, as we said, slight differences in terms of the exact meaning of what that is referring to. But either way, uh, as the scholars of Tafsir mentioned in their books, this is all referring to Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees that the day of judgment will take place, then on that day, as Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions in Surah Ibrahim, يَوْمَ تُبَدَّرُ الْأَرْضُ غَيْرَ الْأَرْضِ وَالسَّمَاوَاتِ On the day that the earth will be changed for a different type of earth, and likewise the heavens or the sky for a different type, or a different kind of heavens. And that is because everything changes on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so from that which will change is the way or, or, or the way that the, the, or the, or the manner uh, in which we are accustomed to seeing the earth and seeing the heavens. So in, in, in today's lesson, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to continue from verse number two. And that is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وأذنت لربها وحقت Obeying its Lord as it rightly must. And that's the translation of Professor Abdul Halim. And the translation of uh, Mufti Taqi. And will listen to the command of its Lord as it ought to. And Sahih International and has listened and then in brackets responded to its Lord and was obligated to do so. And Muhsin Khan and listens to and obeys its Lord and it must do so. 
uh, and all of them are very similar in meaning to listen, to obey, to respond to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is generally speaking the tafsir that you will find amongst uh, the companions and the early salaf. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, just to look at the Arabic of the verse, Allah azawajal says, وَأَذِينَتْ And the word أَذِينَ uh, can mean a number of things. Uh, in the Arabic language it can mean to, to give permission to something. But the root word of أَذِينَ comes from to listen or to, uh, to hear or to respond. That's the, the original meaning in the Arabic language. And that's why we, um, or, or to hear, right? And uh, that's why the, in the Arabic language, um, the ear is called udhn, because it is something which you listen by, and therefore you would respond to what you hear as a result. And that is why the adhan is called the adhan, comes from the same root word, because it's a call that's made that people listen to and they respond to. So when the adhan is given, people know that it's the time for salah, and so they respond to the time or the call of that prayer, uh, a call of that prayer to say that it's, uh, or the call that they hear for the salah, they respond to it by by performing the salah. And that is why in the adhan we say, hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah. And so this is all coming from the same word. And the word in Arabic, uh, or the word adhan in the Arabic language means a call or a proclamation. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, in Surah At-Tawbah, he says, وَأَذَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ إِلَى النَّاسِ يَوْمَ الْحَجِّ الْأَكْبَرِ أَنَّ اللَّهَ بَرِيءٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَرَسُولُهُ And a proclamation uh, from Allah and His Messenger on the day of the big hajj or the major hajj that Allah and His Messenger are free of the non-believers. And so Allah Azza wa Jal called that an adhan. And so the word adhina or the word adhan or the word udhun, all of them come from the same word and that is to hear, to respond, to listen, to obey. And here clearly it is mentioned in, 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 in relation to the heavens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ When the heavens will be ripped apart, وَأَذِنَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ And it listens and responds to its Lord as it rightly must, as it must do so. Meaning that the heavens obeys the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the tafsir that you will find then uh, amongst the majority of the scholars, uh, or the early scholars of tafsir. And... They say that the word adhinat means to hear and huqqat means to respond or to obey. And so the um, and, and the and the translation of Professor Abdul Halim obeying its Lord as it rightly must, he kind of just skips the part of uh, because also it's mentioned in the books of Tafsir uh, that it must rightly do so, meaning that it has no choice, it must respond to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's as if he's kind of skipped the first part. Uh, which is the hearing and responding part and he just went with the obeying its Lord as it rightly must but it is similar in terms of meaning because all three have been mentioned amongst or by the scholars with tafsir so Ibn Abbas for example radiyallahu anhuma he said that the word أذنت لربيها إقال سمعت لربيها أذنت لربيها means that it heard its Lord and uh, the word أذنت means to hear as we said right and that's where the word udun comes from the word ear the, the word adhan is like a call that's given, that's, that's, that's being heard, a proclamation in Arabic language is also called adhan. And similar to it is the hadith uh, of the Prophet وسلم, in which he said, وسلم, Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't listen to anything. And the word adhina is used. Allah has, does not listen to anything. 
the way that he listens the way that he listens to a prophet reciting his revelation and there's a number of benefits in this hadith by the way from those benefits is that the word Quran is used for all revelations all revelations are called Quran and that's why uh, in a number of a hadith the Prophet ﷺ spoke about the previous scriptures and he called them Quran so the Quran obviously the default meaning is the Quran that we have the one that was given to the Prophet ﷺ. but the Quran in the Sunnah sometimes depending on the context can refer to previous scriptures like here Allah doesn't listen to anything the way that he listens to a prophet reciting revelation, reciting his Quran, meaning the revelation that he had. And, uh, and that shows then that, 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 that the word Quran is used just as we say, for example, that all of the prophets of Allah were calling to Islam. All of them were Muslims and their followers were Muslims. And so it's in that same type of meaning. Uh, and also uh, similar to that is the hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ spoke about the recitation of Dawood and how he would recite the Zabur and how he would sometimes say to one of his servants to prepare for him his riding mount, his horse or his camel or whatever he was going to ride and by the time that that person would go and, and prepare that ride and come and call him he would have recited his Quran as is mentioned in that narration and again the Prophet ﷺ calls it Quran and so uh, that's one benefit. So one benefit that we take from the hadith. The other benefit is the wording that is used. Allah doesn't listen to anything. So the word adhina is used and it means to listen to something and to hear something as Imam al-Tabari himself mentions because he mentions this narration of himself in his tafsir for this verse and he says the meaning of this hadith is that Allah doesn't listen to anything in the way that he listens to a prophet that recites melodiously his Quran or his revelation that he gave to them. And that is from the beauty, um, you know, from the beauty of the Book of Allah uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the beauty or, or one of the benefits also of this hadith is that the beautiful recitation of the revelation of Allah Azza wa is something beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the Prophet told us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Lisa minna mallam yataghanna bil Quran, the one who doesn't recite or does he do his utmost to recite the Quran melodiously, isn't from us. And that is because it is beautiful anyway, the revelation of Allah Azza wa Jalla, and it is further beautified when someone tries to recite it in the best way that they can. So the word adhina in the Arabic language, therefore, refers to listening and to responding. And that's why um, Ibn Abbas said that it means سَمِعَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ means and it obeyed the command of its Lord. It obeyed the command of, of Allah Azza wa Jal. And that shows that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala will simply give a command and everything will change. The earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the heavens, everything will change simply by the command of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. That would be enough. It would be enough for the heavens and the earth to change in that way. Uh, similar to the statement is the statement of Mujahid, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said the same thing, وَأَذِنَتْ لِرَبِّهَا means سَمِعَتْ uh, Similar to this also is the statement of Sa'id. Uh, he said also سَمِعَتْ وَأَطَاعَتْ It means to listen and to obey. And again, similar to that is the statement of Qatada. Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he also said سَمِعَتْ وَأَطَاعَتْ To listen and to obey. And likewise, Mujahid said something similar. And Sa'id ibn Jubair, uh, oh, sorry, Al-Dahaq rather, said something similar. وَأَذِنَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَتْ سَمِعَتْ وَأَطَاعَتْ and Sa'id ibn Jubair al-Suddi said 
uh, what uh, Professor Abdul meant with in his translation. And that is that they said, And it is only befitting, it is only a right that it must obey the command of its Lord. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives this command, there's no choice except to conform. No choice except to do that which Allah Azza wa commands it to do. And we know that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands anything, then it must be done. If Allah wants something or wills something, He simply has to command it to be and it is. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives that command and it is. And Allah with, with the creation of His that doesn't have free will, so that's uh, everything other than humans and jinn, then they obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as and when. He commands. They're waiting for that command. As we mentioned, I think, previously, when we were speaking about Yawm Al-Qiyam, the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, in which he spoke about the angel Israfil, that is the angel that has been entrusted with blowing the trumpet that will signal the hour that he has placed the trumpet in his mouth and inhaled, meaning he's taken a deep breath, and he's waiting to blow, and he looks towards the throne of Allah جل, waiting for the command of Allah and in some wordings, and he dare not blink out of fear for missing that command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah azza wa jal simply gives the command and it will be. And that then shows also something which is very important, uh, which we find in narrations in the Quran and within the Sunnah. And that is there are certain things that Allah azza wa jal didn't just simply give them the command to be, but rather he created them with his own hands, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in a manner which befits his majesty jalla fi ula. So for example, Allah azza wa jal uh, mentions in the Quran when speaking about Iblis or speaking to Iblis uh, when he refuses to prostrate or refuses to prostrate to Adam alayhi salam مَا مَنَعَكَ أَن تَسْجُدَ لِمَا خَلَقْتُ بِيَدَيْ What prevented you from prostrating to that which I have created with my own two hands Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and so Allah Azzawajal created Adam with his own hands subhanahu wa ta'ala and likewise Jannah there are narrations that Allah Azzawajal created Jannah by his own hand and some of the narrations, uh, some of uh, some of the narrations also say that the Torah was written by the hand of Allah Azza wa Jal that was given to Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Because in some of the narrations of the of the Shafa'a, the Hadith of the intercession on Yom Al Qiyamah, when the people will go to the different prophets of Allah asking them to intercede before Allah Azza wa Jal, in some of those wordings, when they come to Musa alayhi salam, because we know the Hadith is a long Hadith, they start off with Adam, then they go to Nuh, then they go to Ibrahim. Each prophet that they go to passes them on to the next Prophet saying that this position or this station isn't for me. And so when they come to Musa alayhi salatu wasalam in some wordings, they say to him, That Allah Azza wa is the one who wrote the Torah for you with his own hand. Meaning because each Prophet is speaking about his accolades, speaking about the many, uh, many virtues that that Prophet was given. And that's why we're coming to you for intercession. Adam, you're the father of all of mankind. And he made all of his angels prostrate to you. He blew into, into you from his own spirit. And so that is a, an accolade for Adam alayhi salam. Nuh, you're the first messenger of Allah that he sent to the earth. And he called you in the Quran, Abdan Shakura, <clears throat> a grateful slave and a thankful slave. Ibrahim, you're the Khalil of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and so on and so forth. And so in some of the wordings, this is what they say to Musa alayhi salam, that Allah azza wa jal spoke to you directly and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose you. And he selected you as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, وَاصْطَنَعْتُكَ nafsi. And he wrote the Torah for you uh, by his own hand. And so 
it is said in some according to some of the scholars, these are the three things that we know of that Allah wrote or created or did with, by His own hand, Subhanahu wa Taala. And uh, and, and and the reason for that being to give them added honor, to give them added honor. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam السلام, with his own hands to honor him. And Allah created the abode of his righteous servants on, on, in, the, in, the, in the hereafter, Jannah, by his own hands in order to show them the honor of that place. Because it's amazing or, or, or it, it increases the, uh, the status of something, the, 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 the position of something. When the one who created it or built it with his own hands is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas for everything else, Allah Azza wa simply says, Kun fayakun be, and it is. It is a command that is given, and then it takes place. And so Allah Azza wa created these things with his own hand, and he wrote the Torah with his own hand, and created obviously because it is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the speech of Allah is from his attributes, and therefore uncreated. However, uh, he wrote it, or some of, the, some of the scholars said that he, uh, he, he, he created the tablet that it was written on. As we know, uh, that it was written on a tablet that was given to Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. But anyway, the point of this being um, that therefore everything else has to obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Allah gives the command to Israfil to blow the trumpet, when Allah gives the command to the heavens that they be ripped apart, when Allah gives the command to the sun and the moon that they be eclipsed, when Allah gives the command that the stars will scatter and fall, when Allah gives the command that the mountains be crumbled and turned into dust, when Allah gives the command that the oceans and the seas be uh, set ablaze, when all of these commands are given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or a single command that then makes all of them take place as Allah wills, then that is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has all power and ability over. And that is why Allah numerous times in the book uh, in the Quran, in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of his power reminds us of his ability, reminds us of his complete mastery and control of the universe. That Allah doesn't need to put in any effort, doesn't take Allah any time, doesn't need from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any great deal of, of preparation for that which Allah wishes and wills into existence or of the opposite, into destruction. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply gives the command, kun fayakun. And that's why we say that Allah azza Allah never becomes tired. Allah Azza never feels lethargic. Allah Azza never feels like he needs to rest subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't hold as others say that Allah Azza created the heavens and the earth in six days. We agree with that part because Allah tells us in the Quran, we sit at the a.m. But we don't say as they say then that Allah then rested on the seventh day because he was tired. No. Allah requires no sleep. Allah requires no rest subhanahu wa ta'ala. And why would he? When all he has to do is give a command, kun fayakun, be and it is. It doesn't take from Allah. And this is again, uh, people who don't understand Allah Azza wa Jalla, the names of Allah, the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, well, they misunderstand them. Because what they do is they apply human logic or human parameters to the Lord of, of, of all of creation. And just as we would become tired, if we had to build something, it would require from you time, it would require from you effort, it would require from you energy, it would require from you burning up certain things in your body in order for you to be able to achieve that. It would require from you other things that would then make you tired, would require that you rest, would require that you recuperate, that you regain your energy, you build up your energy again. And so they came and they applied those laws that Allah has placed for humans in this universe and they applied them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when they apply them to Allah Azza wa Jal, 
then they started to see things like Allah Azza wa Jal has weakness in him. Allah is free from that which they ascribe to him. And they started seeing that Allah needed to rest and that Allah Azza wa Jal becomes tired and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgetful or Allah Azza wa Jal didn't know something or did know all of these things that they then ascribe. Whether they are non-believers or unfortunately even from as we know some of the sects of the Muslims that went to that regard also. All of this comes back to the same and we've discussed this in detail for those of you that attended the Isnad courses that we've done on the topic of Aqeedah. We've discussed this in detail that all of this often comes back to using logic and saying that our logic is uppermost and paramount when it comes to understanding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and its attributes. And so when people do this, then they make Allah azza wa jal weak because human nature is weak and human parameters are weak and our understanding is weak. And so we bring Allah azza wa jal down to the weakness that we have and Allah azza wa jal is high and above all of that weakness subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so um, as we were seeing in the surah Allah azza wa jal, therefore subhanahu wa ta'ala when he gives the command it is simply enough for him to command and it is. And so the heavens will obey the command of Allah. They will listen and they will obey and they must do so. They have no choice. They have no right. They have nothing else to do except to obey Allah Azza wa Jal. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentioned elsewhere in the Quran, uh, in Surah Fussilat, ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى إِلَى السَّمَاءِ وَهِيَ دُخَانٌ فَقَالَ لَهَا وَلِلْأَرْضِ اِتِيَا طَوْعًا أَوْ كَرْهَا قَالَتَ أَتَيْنَا طَائِعِينَ When Allah Azza wa Jal ascended above the heavens and it was, a, it was smoke, and he said to the heavens and the earth, come, either willingly or unwillingly. And they responded that we will come willingly. And so Allah Azza wa Jal gives the command and it is enough for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give that command and everything else then must obey. So you can see from a number of these statements, therefore, that pretty much all of them agreed. Qatada, Sa'id, Ibn Abbas, Mujahid, Al-Dahak, As-Suddi, others, all of them agreed that it refers to adinat li rabbiha wa huqqat that they listen to, that it listens to the command of Allah Azza wa Jal and obeys the command of Allah Azza wa Jal and he must do so he has no right to oppose or no ability to oppose the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is what Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala also said in his tafsir he said that the heavens obeyed or listened to the command of Allah Azza wa Jal when it was commanded to be rent asunder, to be ripped apart, and it obeyed the command of Allah Azza wa Jal in that regard. And then he went on to the Arabic language of the word adhinat and how it means to listen and to respond. And he also mentions that, that hadith that we already spoke about, that Allah Azza wa Jal doesn't listen to anything in the way that he listens to a prophet that recites his revelation or recites the Quran. And Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala said something similar. He said, that the heavens listen to Allah Azza wa Jal and obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah Azza wa Jal will command it to rip apart and it must do so because the word huqqat means that it is only right that it do so that it is incumbent upon it to do so your haq, the word haq means something which is a right or something which is true something which is reality and it must obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Allah Azza wa Jal is the one that is all great, that no one can oppose and no one can overcome his command. But rather Allah Azza wa Jal has supremacy over all things and everything is subservient to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And 
Tahir ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala said something similar also that Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about this um, speaks about the, the, the way that the heavens will obey the command of Allah Azza wa Jal because within it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore also refers or shows to us rather his dominion, his kingdom, his power, his control over everything in the universe. And the teacher of our teacher, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shilqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, also says something very similar. And Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin actually has a, a long passage in one of the surahs that he made tafsir of, and I think it was either the beginning, of, either at the beginning of Surah Al-Hashar, or perhaps the beginning of Surah Al-Hadid, one of the, the, the first surah that we, in which Allah Azzawajal says, Sabbaha lillah, or yusabbihu lillah, that everything in the heavens and earth glorifies Allah Azzawajal. He has a long passage when, when, when in the first instance that that comes up, I just don't remember now whether he did it in Hadid, because that's yusabbihu lillah, or in Al-Hashar, which is Sabbaha lillah. But either way, in one of those surahs, he has a long passage in which he speaks about how uh, even that which is inanimate, Right, that which doesn't have a soul, is it living, it responds to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is, has obedience to Allah azza wa jal. And, and uh, this is a, a discussion that some of the scholars of tafsir have. And that is when Allah azza wa jal says, ma samawati wa ma fil ard. And inshallah when we come to that surah we'll speak about this in more detail. But when Allah azza wa jal says that everything in the heavens and the earth, everything in the heavens and the earth glorify him because he says ma and the word ma refers to things which are inanimate. Sabbaha lillahi mafis. He doesn't say manfis because the word man is used in the Arabic language to speak about that which is which is intellectual, right? That which is living. But that which is inanimate or that which has no uh, no intellect uh, to speak of. In the Arabic language you use the word ma sabbaha lillahi mafis samawati wa ma fil And similar to it is the verse in Surah Al-Isra. Allah Azza wa Jal, He is glorified by the heavens and the earth and all that are within it. And the word man is used to show that it's speaking about the humans, the angels, the jinn, and so on. And there is nothing except that it glorifies its Lord. But you cannot understand their praise. And there are numerous verses, or not numerous, but a number of verses and a number of ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ that show that they obey the command of Allah even these things that we would call inanimate, that don't have a soul, don't live in that sense, don't speak in that sense, but they can communicate with Allah and they respond to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like that verse we mentioned in Surah Fuslat, that's one of the examples that Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shalqiti rahimahullah ta'ala gives. Allah says that Allah commanded the heavens and the earth, either come, Willingly or unwillingly, and Allah says, and they responded, they said, they said that we will come to you in, uh, we will come to you in uh, willingly, we will come to you willingly. And this is something which you see in a number of hadith of the Prophet because the Prophet, uh, the companions used to say that we would hear the tasbih of the food that was before the Prophet as he was eating. The food is making tasbih. And no one says that food is, is intellectual or is living or has a soul. It's an inanimate thing. It's the food that you eat that's being cooked or presented. But it would glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu told us uh, concerning uh, other things that spoke or other things that responded 
one of the things that did is Allah commanded like in the hadith of the Prophet when he spoke about Musa السلام, how when he was bathing one day and he placed his robe on the on, on a rock and the rock ran and so he chased the rock saying Thobi Hajar, Thobi Hajar my Thobi is on the rock, my Thobi is on the rock until he reached it and he struck it and so there are a number of hadith that speak about the way that they respond and similar to them is the verse in the Quran in Surah Al-Ahzab which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Towards the very end of Surah Al-Hazab, Allah Azza wa says, "Inna aradna al-amana ta'ala al-samawati wal-ardi wal-jibali, fa'abayna in yahmilnaha wa ashfaqna minha wa hamalaha al-insan." Then indeed we presented this responsibility, this trust to the heavens and the earth and the mountains, and they refused to carry this trust. The trust being, the trust of believing in La ilaha illallah and accepting Islam and obeying Allah Azza wa They refused to accept that trust because. They knew what it entailed and what it meant. And so Allah Azza wa Jal says, insan But mankind accepted that trust. Because mankind is ever wrong, wrong, wrongful or, or wronging themselves and uh, also ignorant. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse mentions that he gave the trust or he presented the trust to the heavens and the earth and the mountains and they refused. They declined. And so again, that is a type of response. And so Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin al says, and this is the position, uh, this is the position of some of the scholars with tafsir. The discussion that they have is that when Allah mentions these verses, is he speaking about the major creations, speaking about the moon and the sun and the mountains and the heavens and earth? That's what Allah is referring to when he says, or is he referring to everything, even the smallest of things, like food, for example, like stones, like the rocks, like the pebbles, like uh, everything that you see, those are that's a discussion that they have, and there are obviously, as you can then imagine, two differences, two opinions that emerge from that discussion. But the point here is that there is a a reason why the, that difference of opinion exists, and there's a reason why that discussion is had, and it's had because of these verses, and and therefore those scholars that took that position, they did so based upon their understanding of these verses of the Book of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And as we said, there's a number of verses that seem to point towards that number of ahadith that seem to point to that. Now, is that something which was specific for the Prophet ﷺ? That's the food for him from his miracles that they would make tasbih? Or is that a general thing? But just that we can't hear them. We can't hear the tasbih. As Allah says in that verse in Surah Al-Isra, everything makes tasbih. But you can't understand the tasbih that they make. Anyway, that's like a, uh, maybe a different discussion for another day. But the point here being, is that Allah Azza wa Jal commands and that command is responded to. The command is given and the command is responded to and it must only, or it is only right that it is responded to by these creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter how great, no matter how vast, no matter how majestic in their own way, when Allah Azza wa Jal gives them a command, they hasten to obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so if Allah Azza wa Jal and this is the point that Allah Azza wa Jal makes in numerous places in the Quran. If Allah Azza wa Jal can change the heavens in that way, and the sun and the moon, and the mountains and the oceans, and Allah Azza wa Jal can change everything with a simple command, then why do people think that it will be difficult for Allah to resurrect them after death? Why do people think that Allah Azza wa Jal can't bring them together? That Allah Azza wa Jal can't make them stand up from their graves? That Allah Azza wa Jal won't hold them to account on Yawm Al-Qiyamah? Allah can... Allah built and created the whole of the universe with a simple command. And then Allah Azza wa Jal will change the very nature 
of the heavens and the earth and everything that the people are accustomed to on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So why then do the people think that it will be difficult for Allah, harder for Allah, that He could resurrect something which is a far easier creation or a far smaller and, and far less significant creation and that is the creation of humans. We're nothing compared to the universe, nothing compared to the sun, nothing compared to the heavens and the earth, nothing compared to the mountains and the oceans that we see. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, 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 will do as He pleases Jalla Fi'ula. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he gives the command, that command is responded to. And just as that command is responded to here, then likewise it's responded to on Yawm Al-Qiyamah as well. Because there's a number of a hadith concerning how the Prophet ﷺ mentioned how Jannah and Nar speak to Allah or spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will speak to Allah Azza wa Jalla, will respond to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, اشتكت النار إلى ربها, that the fire complained to its Lord, parts of me are devouring other parts. So Allah gave permission that it should take two breaths, one in the summer, one in the winter. And so the Prophet said that what you find from the extreme heat of the summer and the bitter cold of the winter, it is from the breathing of Jahannam, the breathing of the fire of Allah Keep us safe from it. And similar to that is the hadith of the Prophet that the fire and paradise argued with one another. And paradise said that the weak will enter me and the and the lowly will enter me. And the fire said the arrogant and the proud will enter me. And so Allah said to the fire, Anti Adabi, you are my punishment, I will punish whomsoever I will with you. And he said to Jannah Anti Rahmati, you are my mercy, I will show mercy to whomsoever ever I wish through you. And so Allah these hadith show that there's discussion that takes place, they speak, they respond in one way or another as Allah Azza wa Jal commands subhanahu wa ta'ala and as Allah Azza wa Jal wills and that's not beyond the capability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's not beyond the power of Allah Azza wa Jal and the ability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we believe in that which was authentically narrated from our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam how it works, what language they speak, which way, which manner, how is it understood Allah knows best that's not knowledge that we were given, it's not an understanding that we have but we have the general principle and that is that the Prophet وسلم, and he is a sadiq al-mustuq, he is the truthful, honest one. When he speaks and when he mentions the, those things, we, we, we hear and we obey. And that's why the Prophet وسلم, mentioned this in a hadith when he spoke about how, um, how uh, a person was, uh, or how a, a shepherd was spoken to by a wolf that had come to take and devour its sheep, a man or a young person or a boy, whoever it was, the shepherd, had a sheep that was his flock. So a wolf comes and it takes one of the sheep to devour it. So the man or the shepherd chases after the wolf and it releases the sheep. And then it turns around and it says, who are you to, or, or, or I think the word is, is, it says to him, who will look after the sheep on the day that there will be no shepherd for it except me. Meaning what will happen after you go or a time will come when there will be no one to look after these sheep except me. And so the Prophet said, I believe in this. And Abu Bakr believes in this. And Umar believes in this. And the narrator said, and Abu Bakr and Umar were not present that day. Meaning they weren't in that majlis, they weren't in that sitting. They didn't hear this story or this narration from the Prophet But that's Iman. You believe in this, that the Prophet told us that these things happen and that they will happen on, uh, towards Yawm Al-Qiyamah. The Prophet told us that towards the end of time, 
that a person will be informed by some of his body parts about that which his family did in his absence or that which took place. That's something which we believe and we accept in the way that the Prophet mentioned it. Now it's exact nature, it's occurrence, how it works. Allah knows best. We don't have that knowledge and to uh, try to understand or explain that in one way or another would just be a person's opinion. It's just their speculation. It's just their what they think would happen. But that knowledge wasn't given. And what's interesting is in all of these hadith, in these narrations, the Prophet ﷺ's companions never asked for that information either. They never asked the Messenger of Allah, how will that work? How does that happen? Which language will it be? How will it, how will it speak? How can we understand it? How can we converse? They didn't ask those questions because for them, it was enough to believe, to say, we believe in that which Allah Azza wa Jal has revealed and that which his Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned. سَمِعْنَا وَطَعْنَا وَفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرِ We hear, we obey, and we seek the forgiveness of our Lord for we will return to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so likewise Allah Azza wa Jal when he commands on Yawm Al-Qiyamah these things, then this is what Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala or these things to do as Allah Azza wa Jal commands on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they will obey and they will hasten to obey the command of their Lord. In verse number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues and he says, muddat, And when the earth is leveled out, when the earth is leveled out, and that's the translation of Professor Abdul Halim on Sahih International, and when the earth has been extended, and Mufti Taqi, and when the earth will be stretched, and Muhsin Khan, and when the earth is stretched forth, so in verse number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about another a change that will take place on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And that is the change that will take place to the earth. And that is that the earth, as we have in a number of narrations, and we will mention some of them, uh, some of them here as well, uh, from in a number of narrations that the earth, and also mentioned in the Quran, that the earth will be completely flat and stretched out. And so they will, it, will, it, will, it then becomes the place of gathering and standing for the people on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So the earth will be stretched out and it will be made flat. As Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran, there will be neither anything which is high nor anything which is low on that day, meaning it will be completely flat. So the, the, the mountains will be crumbled into dust. The oceans and the seas will be set ablaze, meaning that they will dry out. So the earth will become flat. Not only that, but Allah says here, muddat, it will be stretched, extended, leveled out, because the word mad means to elongate or to stretch something out. And that's why in Tajweed, when you say the word mad, it means to elongate the, 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 the vowel or the sound. We say ja'a, right? as that. Uh, sound that's called a mad in the Arabic language or in, in the science of Tajweed. The word mad in the linguistic sense means to stretch out, right? And so this is what what it's being what, what's what's uh, what's being referred to here also. When the earth is leveled out or it is stretched out. In the tafsir of Abdul Razzaq, rahimahullah ta'ala, and as we said, Abdul Razzaq is one of the early tafsirs that we have. In our time, uh, Abdul Razak being the famous Imam of Hadith and the Imam of Islam, he has a collection of narrations that he gathered in Tafsir. And it is earlier than obviously the Tafsir of Imam Al-Tabari and Ibn Abi Hatim and some of those other Tafsir. And it is different also in the sense that like many of the other works of that time, his time period with Abdul Razak, 
Al-San'ani rahimahullah ta'ala is from the teachers of the Aqsa of Imam Ahmad. So Al-Tabari came well after Imam Ahmad. Al-Tabari uh, came at the time of the students of Imam Ahmad. Uh, and maybe even like some, some of them were students of students of Imam Ahmad during the time of Imam Al-Tabari. Whereas Abdul Razak is from the teachers of Imam Ahmad. And so this is something which we're talking about, like he's one of the early scholars of Islam. And in that time period, what they often did is just books of narration. Just gathered narrations, gathered narrations, gathered narrations with very little commentary. Not like Tabari. Tabari has a great deal of commentary as we know. But those scholars, no, it was just enough for them to gather those narrations because that's the tafsir that they used to do just to gather the narrations of the scholars who came before them. Abdul Razak in his tafsir, he mentions a narration uh, that is narrated by, um, by Ali ibn Hussein. So the, the grandson of Ali radiallahu anhu. Uh, and the great grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and so it's not like, not, Ali ibn Hussein never met the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And as we've said before in the books of Tafsir and in the books of Sirah, the scholars have always been slightly more lenient when it comes to ex- accepting narrations. Slightly more lenient when it comes to accepting narrations, because often these narrations don't change the Tafsir of the verse; they just give added meaning or they just give added understanding to something. And so the tafsir is well known because the position of the scholars and the companions as to what the verse means is well known. This, these are additional narrations that are supporting narrations or they just give extra information regarding certain things. So anyway, in, in the tafsir of Abdul Razak, there is a narration that is mentioned in the tafsir of this verse. And that is that the Prophet وسلم, it is said that he said, On the day of judgment, Allah will stretch out the earth. He will stretch it out and flatten it. Until there will be nothing that a person will have except the place where his two feet stand. Meaning that's all the space that they will be given. Because all of humankind will be resurrected. All of the billions of people. Like we have today, just on the earth living today, six to seven billion people just living here today. What about the people from a hundred years ago? thousand years ago, thousands of years ago, from the time of Adam السلام, and the generations that will come. Allah knows how many of them for how many years and centuries and possibly longer. Only Allah knows. All of those billions of people will be made to stand on that day. And so that's why this narration says that despite the outstretching of the earth, they will only have the, 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 the space of their own two feet. That's all that they will have in terms of that space. And then the hadith continues and it says, And I will be the first to be called on that day and Jibreel will be on the right side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so uh, I will I will uh, I will say to Allah Azza wa Jal, oh Allah, you call for me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say yes. And then I will intercede, or the hadith seems to say that he intercedes وسلم, for the believers and he says, Ya Rabbi ibaduka abaduka fi atrafil ard. O my Lord, these are your servants that worshipped you throughout the earth. And that will be the praiseworthy station, meaning the station that the Prophet وسلم, will be given on Yom Al-Qiyamah, which is the station of intercession, which is the station of intercession. And know that this is also referring to Yawm Al-Qiyamah as Mujahid Rahimahullah Ta'ala said, Muddat, it will be leveled out, meaning on the Day of Judgment. So on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah Azza wa Jal will stretch out the earth. He will flatten it out. 
and it will be stretched out, meaning in the sense that it's enough space, enough place for all of humankind to stand upon. All of the people that ever lived from the time of Adam السلام, up until the last person that will ever live. Allah will resurrect them all and join, gather them all and all of them will stand on that day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. There is another tafsir that is also given here as to what is being referred to uh, here or, or, or uh, what is being intimated here. And this is the one that you find um, reported by Al-Firyabi and Abd ibn Humaid and Al-Bayhaqi in one of his books and Al-Hakim also mentioned in his book uh, the narration of Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu anhum this is a statement of his that he said كان البيت قبل الأرض بألف سنة وذلك قول الله تعالى وإذا الأرض مدت قال مدت من تحته مدى he said that the house meaning the Kaaba existed before the earth by 2000 years and then the earth was stretched around it so it's as if this is his understanding of or this narration that is attributed to Abdullah ibn Amr, the famous companion Ibn al-As it is referring to the creation of the earth, as opposed to Yawm al-Qiyamah. And that's why you have a number of the scholars of tafsir that said that this is not referring to this verse, because it's mentioned in the tafsir of this verse, and that is the meaning of the verse of Allah and when the earth will be leveled out or stretched forth. Uh, however, a number of the scholars of tafsir said no, that's not correct because Allah is referring to Yawm Al-Qiyamah here, not the creation of the earth the first time, but rather the creation of it or if you like the recreation of it on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so it's two different time periods. And even this um, particular narration that the Kaaba was the first thing to be built 2,000 years before the creation of the earth and everything else came around and so on, that's in itself something which is a, 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 a discussion amongst the scholars as to uh, you know that, that that discussion is, is the Kaaba the center of the earth and all that. It's, it's like a long thing which I don't want to really go into but this is kind of like you see now where some of these narrations will come from and that's by the way one of the benefits of studying these books of the Sunnah and Tafsir and so on you see many of these narrations that come and then the discussion points that the scholars had as a result of these narrations and some of them whether they're authentic or not authentic and if they're authentic then what do they mean what is it that they're referring to and so on and similar to uh, the first narration that we mentioned, which was uh, that the narration, the tafsir of Abdul Razak, we have a hadith, this time from Jabir radiallahu an, collected in the Mustadrak of Imam al-Hakim, the Mustadrak of al-Hakim, that the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that on Yawm al-Qiyamah the earth will be stretched out, but there will not be for the space, there will not be the space for the child of Adam, except for his two feet, meaning that's all that he will have, the space of his two feet, that's where, that's all that will be for each and every single person on that day. But either way, it's referring to Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And one of the things that also Allah Azza wa will command, and that is that the earth changes. The earth changes and it becomes a land of gathering that is flattened. That has no beauty, no scenery, none of the trees and the forests, none of the glaciers, none of the oceans and the seas and the beaches, none of the deserts. All of those things that the people loved about the dunya in terms of its natural beauty and in terms of its scenery, all of that is removed. And so instead it becomes a place of gathering and a place where the people will be resurrected, uh, the place of resurrection. As Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala said, that the meaning of this verse is, When the earth will be spread out and it will be increased, its space will be increased. And Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala, he said something similar. He said that it refers to the spreading of the earth and how 
Allah Azza wa Jal will make it Maddul Adin. Maddul Adin meaning that it will be flattened. It will be flattened on that day. That there will be no uh, nothing higher, nothing lower, so people cannot elevate themselves. And other people cannot hide in the crevices and so it will be extremely flat as Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in Surah Taha وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْجِبَالِ فَقُلْ يَنْسِفُهَا رَبِّي نَسْفَا فَيَذَرُوهَا قَاعًا صَفْصَفَا لَا تَرَى فِيهَا عِوَجًا وَلَا أَمْتَا When Allah Azza wa Jal removed the angels and will crumble into dust and the earth will become flat and you will see therein neither crevices nor will you see any humps or any, any type of elevation. He says that also from the meaning of the word mad is that Allah Azza wa Jal, when, the, when the, the, the Zalzala will strike the earthquake or the shaking of the earth, as we mentioned in Surah Al-Zalzala when we did the tafsir of that surah, that Allah Azza wa Jal will make it extremely flat. And he said, and also, and this is his position, he said also, it may well mean that Allah Azza wa Jal changes it from being a globe into a flat space. Changes it from being a globe into a flat space so that all of the people can stand equally. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Again, that is that is, uh, you know, just the position of a scholar trying to understand this verse in terms of modern science and what have you. But the point being that it is enough for us to know that Allah Azza wa Jal will make the earth stretch out and on that day the people will be made to stand in a very small space and that is the day that they will have to stand before Allah Azza wa Jal and be held to account for their deeds. Okay, I think that's a good place for us to, inshallah ta'ala, end today's lesson. So if anyone has any questions, inshallah, we'll take a couple of questions. Otherwise, um, it's, uh, inshallah, it's enough for us, uh, inshallah, and we'll continue next week from verse number four. Okay. Um, there's a question here concerning, I'm finding it challenging to keep up with both QP and page by page, both are beneficial. And as such, I wondered what is the plan with page by page? Would it be three times a week all year round until it finishes? In perhaps four years' time, or will there be any substantial annual breaks as we do with QP? Uh, so I'll be very honest with you. Like with page by page, I'm not really... Um, like I obviously do the recordings and the tafsir is mine and what have you, but I don't really deal with the logistical side. That's the masjid that's dealing with that in terms of its release and their scheduling. And to be honest, I haven't really asked. Uh, in terms of that, I don't think that there will be any breaks uh, as far as I'm aware so it won't be like the annual thing like we do with QP it's not going to be like where we break at Ramadan and then we, we restart like towards the end of the summer uh, that's not the plan because these are pre-recorded they're studio recorded and so it's not really like a class where I have to be there live so I don't think that that's going to be the case Allah knows best is it permissible to make or use ready-made children's resources which show human figures or outlines of the Sahaba without facial features? So this is an issue like which is of difference of opinion, as you know. Um, whether like so I think if it's if it's not showing facial features, and it's just generic bodies, uh, even in terms of like all of them similar height and similar build and so on, then inshallah ta'ala it's okay. Uh, the problem will come when it becomes like distinguishing features of one companion over another in terms of height and build and facial features and so on. That's something which I would stay away from and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Um, okay. So if that's all, inshallah ta'ala, we'll conclude here. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabira Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.